Colossians on and off for about three or four weeks. And uh, today we're going to be looking kind of at the middle of the first chapter of Colossians. Um, and uh, Paul is working with a church that they don't really know him. He doesn't know them. Uh, but he has heard that they're struggling uh, to, uh, to keep the right priority in their life. And so he uh, deals with that in our scripture today. He does it through sharing an ancient Christian hymn with us. And uh, so, so we want to hear what Paul has to share, both with the church in Colossia and with us. I'm going to pick up with some of the verses that were in our text last week. We'll start with the 12th verse down through 21. This is what Paul writes for them. He says, In giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you all to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all uh, his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood, through his blood shed on the cross. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me and for me? Lord Jesus, uh, you are supreme. You are first. And we thank you for the chance just to be reminded of that for our lives today. In a crazy and broken world, um, we look to your help. So, Lord Jesus, uh, guide my words. Help me lift you up uh, that we may find nourishment in your presence. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, oftentimes I think subconsciously or sometimes consciously in life, uh, life kind of becomes a quest for us, a quest for fulfillment, a quest for joy, a quest for meaning, a quest for life. And it can start even as a teenager, you know, uh, maybe going to school, uh, thinking, you know, if I could just learn a lot and be a smart kid, then maybe I'd be important. Or, for other folks, maybe it's more, if I could just be like the 
school kids, if I could get into the right group, then I would make it and everything would be great. And uh, maybe we do better in school or maybe we get into that right group and that uh, brings us happiness for about a week or two and then we feel empty again and so then we think, well, if I could just find a girlfriend or a boyfriend, uh, then I would feel, you know, I'd have someone to love and to care about and be close to, and things would be great. And uh, so uh, maybe we finally somehow find a, a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and, and, uh, and we begin dating and that sort of thing, and that's terrific for about two or three weeks. And then we think, well, there's got to be more to life than this. And then maybe we think, well, maybe if I can graduate from high school, you know, I can get a job and make some money, or I can go to college and, and kind of hit that next level of education, then everything will be awesome. And so we graduate from high school, and, and we get that job, or we go to college, and we work hard and try to do well in whatever it is, and and if we enjoy having money or, or taking that next step for two or three weeks, and then we say, huh, isn't there more to life than this? And, uh, and so it can go throughout our lives. You know, even as an adult, right? As an adult, uh, you know, maybe we go to the Internet hoping we can find that, that perfect diet, you know, it, if I just do Atkins, or if I just do keto, or, or the Mediterranean diet, or and so we try this one and we try that one, and, and we we hope that if we put our energies into this, uh, that that we'll be happy and satisfied. But again, after a couple of weeks, we're like, ugh, I don't know that I can do this anymore. It's not working. Others of us, we may go and and look in the self-help section. And just say, if I, if I just read the right self-help book, the right philosophy, the right way of viewing life, if I just have the right rituals in my life and, and do the right things, then everything will be great. And we try that for two or three weeks, and we still say there's got to be more life to life than this. So we could go on, we could talk about, you know, maybe looking for that financial jackpot you know, the perfect investment or the perfect job or the perfect side gig. You know, if I could just find the right thing and make loads and loads of money. But then we continue to say there's got to be more to life than this. Brothers and sisters, the church in Colossia was wrestling with very similar things. They were looking for life. They were looking for purpose. They were looking for the best philosophy to live by. They were looking for for the right rituals to do in their families and the right habits and all that to help them be successful, to help them find life. But yet they were missing it the whole time. And I believe that's why Paul shares with us this morning the, the, this ancient uh, hymn to Jesus. Uh, a lot of scholars do think it's an ancient hymn that would have gone back to like 50 A.D., right? And so this is a hymn written about Jesus within 20 years of his death and resurrection. Uh, you know, a lot of times people say, well, the church kind of made stuff up about Jesus later, looking back. 
And this is one of those indicators that, no, they, they talked very highly of Jesus just out of the gate, right from the beginning. There was something special about Jesus. And so uh, Paul writes this hymn. It's a hymn to remind them that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, right? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And so uh, Paul helps us see that today by looking at this ancient Christian hymn starting in the 15th verse. And these are some of the dynamics about Jesus that we encounter. We see that Jesus is first. He is first and greatest over creation, and he is first and highest over the church and redemption. Those two things this hymn brings out more than anything else. And so the first thing we learn is that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. This statement reflects this, that Jesus, Jesus is the God we can see. Jesus is the God we can see. It says he is the Son, is the image of the invisible God. Those that are more skeptical about whether there's a God or not uh, tend to be skeptical, and one of the ba main cases would be, well, God is if God is real, he's invisible, and so he needs to reveal himself. He needs to show up. He needs to let us know that he's the real deal, right? And he hasn't done that. And because God hasn't done that, then we're not going to believe in God. But what the church saw early on in Jesus is that Jesus is the image of that God who's invisible. And we have seen Jesus. We have known Jesus. Jesus came and walked on this planet. He came and healed the sick. He came and taught the most amazing teaching of radical love and forgiveness that this world has ever seen. And if our world is impoverished, it's impoverished because we haven't learned his lessons that he tried to teach us thousands of years ago. Jesus is the spitting image of the creator of the universe. He is the exact, literally the Greek word is icon, right? The word is the icon of God, the image of God. He is the exact image, the perfect image, the sinless image, an image that has not been spoiled by the fall, by evil, by sin. And so uh, the Gospels and Paul and this hymn all point us to the fact that when we look at Jesus, we're not just seeing a regular human being. When we look at Jesus, we are seeing the spitting image of the creator of the universe. And the implication of, for the church in this is incredible. Paul writes it's incredible because not only is Jesus uh, the, the image of God that we can see, but secondly, Jesus is the source over all creation. Jesus is the source over all creation. Uh, 
some of the dynamics here in these verses. It says Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. What does it mean for Jesus to be firstborn? Uh, one of the early heresies in the church was a heresy named Arianism. And Arianism tried to look at verses like this and say that Jesus being the firstborn meant that he was the first creature in the universe. He was the first created being in the universe. But that is not the conclusion that the church came to. That's not the conclusion uh, that Christians came to because uh, Jesus, who's the firstborn over all creation, is the one Paul writes in the hymns shares, the one who created everything. It says, in him all things were created. Through him, all things were created. And if Jesus participated with God the Father in creating the universe, that means that Jesus was before all time, before the universe existed. God is eternal like the Father. And Jesus is eternal like the Father. So Jesus is the source over all creation. When we look uh, through the amazing telescopes today, the Hubble and the, the new one, um, we see these incredible images of stars and galaxies and nebulas and, and black holes and, and all the vastness of space we can feel incredibly small. Yet to know that in Jesus were the hands and the heart and the, the life that created it all, is amazing. And the church came to this conclusion because they saw a Jesus on earth who, who took control of creation. And creation had to do Jesus' bidding, right? When Jesus was caught with his disciples in the midst of a storm, and the disciples were afraid for their lives in the middle of a boat that they were sinking to the bottom, Jesus comes and says, Quiet, be still stop and the wind and the waves and the rain hush and the disciples and the apostles said who is this guy that can speak the storm and make it stop he must be the one that has made all things he must have creative power and creative control and we see in the gospels his authority to heal the sick we see his authority to, to deliver from evil powers and presence and spirit. We see in his death and resurrection uh, an uh, incredible ability to take what this uh, world throws at him and to conquer it. And so the only conclusion the church could come to is that it is in Jesus that everything has been created. And it is through Jesus that everything has been created. So that everything, whether on earth or in heaven, he talks about, and everything, whether visible or invisible, Jesus had a hand in all of it. And, uh, and so uh, the hymn makes this incredible case that Jesus had a hand in all these things. Why does he talk about the visible and invisible things? Well, because there are some things in our world, that especially the ancient people believed we can't see, right? We can't see the angels of God's uh, 
God's uh, heavenly hope. We can't see the, the fallen spirits that bring chaos and hurt and harm into people's lives. We can't see, um, we can't see even today the thing that scientists are pretty sure that exists, like dark matter, right? Scientists say there has to be dark matter holding the universe together. Those are things that God had made in Jesus that we can't see. And then just to make sure we understand the implication of this, he goes on and says, listen, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. That is Jesus. And so Paul in the hymn lists four sources of power and authority. He says, you think Caesar's great. You think the rulers of the nations are powerful. You think the leaders of the world are impressive like God's. But I tell you that Jesus has created all of them. He says, even at the spiritual level, if we think angels are great, or if we think evil spirits in, the, in, you know, in a lot of the Asian world and and in a lot of the primitive world today, they still believe that there are evil spirits that can curse you and plague you and hound you and ruin your life. And so a lot of the tribal fear of these spirits is still there. And Jesus' implication here is he created all this. He created all. And so in everything, all of this was not just created through him, it was created for him. And so as a result, Jesus has no equal and Jesus has no rival. Jesus is first and greatest. And so that's to give us hope. So when we go looking for life, when we go looking for fulfillment, you know, probably a good place to start, a good first priority is Jesus, because he is the source of all creation. And then the third thing is, not only is the source of all creation, but he is the sustainer of all creation. Jesus holds it all together. He goes on and says in verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. The idea is, is that uh, when our world, when our lives, uh, when, when things feel like they're falling apart, we can trust that Jesus is holding it together. Jesus is sustaining. Jesus is empowering. Jesus is calming. Jesus is transforming. And uh, and so this ancient hymn shares with us that in Christ is the one who created the universe, but also the one who keeps it together. And so as we look in our day and our age at the troubles of the moment, it seems like you know, we've gone through one trouble after the other. We went through the trauma of COVID and the trauma of economic cycles, good and bad, and the trauma of inflation. And now we have the trauma of two wars or more in our world um, that could cause great challenges 
in our world and for us? How do we respond? How do we, how do we not live in fear? And the answer is, let us trust in Jesus who can hold it all together. Let us put Jesus at the center of Israel and Palestine and the Middle East. Let us put Jesus at the center of Ukraine and Russia. Let us put Jesus at the center of our relationship with China and with other powerful countries and people. Let's put Jesus at the center in, in the Middle East where there is so much anguish and turmoil and instability. And ask the Lord Jesus, Jesus, hold this together for your glory. Because Jesus is the first and the greatest over creation. But that the hymn also shares with us the second piece to look at today. And that second piece is, is Jesus is also the first and highest over the church and our redemption. The first and highest over the church and our redemption. Verse 18, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. And so what Paul shares with us this morning, and, and this is the, you know, when we look at the Bible, when we look at the story of history, when we look at the story of God, what we see is the picture of a broken world, a picture of a world that needs healing, a picture of a world where uh, it seems like God has gone absent and he has left us to our own selves, our own devices, and as a result, we have lost our way and Paul talks about it in those early verses, right? For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And that's always where we start as human beings. We start among the dominion of darkness. He goes on and says, Once you were alienated, verse 21, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. The great problem, the great tragedy of our world that we see played out on the news night after night after night is a problem with fallenness, darkness, brokenness, sin, evil, however you want to name it. It is a problem that we have faced throughout history. God, how can you take us when our hearts are dominated by hatred and anger and fear? How can you take our tribalism our pride, our greed, our lust. How can you take this self-centered mess of folks that seem to wreak havoc on our world day after day, how can you take that mess that's in me, how can you redeem it and turn it into something good and something beautiful and something loving? So Paul writes, Jesus came to rescue us from the dominion of darkness, and he's brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loved, the kingdom of light, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus is the first to bring redemption. He is the first and the head, the highest of the church, the new movement, the new community, the global kingdom movement that is seeking to live 
in a right relationship with the Creator once again. And as we move closer to Jesus, as we put Jesus first, life falls into place. And we begin to allow Jesus to lead us and guide us, not just individually, but as churches, as communities of faith, in being a people of radical difference-making, radical kindness, radical mercy, radical love, believing in the transforming power of Jesus, who's the first and highest. And so we look to Jesus. We seek to do his will as the head of the body. And as he is the beginning, he's the firstborn among the dead. And as the firstborn raised from the dead, our hope is when we center our lives in him, he will raise us too. Paul writes a little later on in Colossians. In verse 27, he says this, This is the glorious mystery of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we put Jesus first, Christ comes in us, and there is our hope. There is God's glory. And so, uh, as Paul shares this hymn with us, he says, listen, the purpose of all of this is so that the world may know that Jesus has supremacy over everything. God loved him so much, he filled him with his nature and presence, the fullness, verse 19. He was that spitting image of God. And through him, Jesus came to reconcile unto himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus' reason for coming to our world is so that we could put him first in our lives, first in our communities, first in our world. And as we move in that direction, we find freedom, we find light, we find healing, we find reconciliation between God and each other, and we find peace through his blood shed on the cross. Our world is in desperate need of peace. And that peace can only come through the hope of Jesus Christ. He has come to bring the world together, black and white, Asian and Middle Eastern, Hispanic, Latino, uh, gosh, African, South American, Native American. The Lord Jesus has come to bring peace and to gather us together as God's people. And that is our mission. That is our cause. And so I ask you this morning, where is Jesus with you? Is he first? Is he primary? Is he highest? Is he greatest? I pray today that uh, we would be a people who would say yes to Jesus individually, and say yes to Jesus as a church, because when we make Jesus first and when Christ takes up residence in us, um, he will set us free. He will bring his light, and he will break the chains of darkness that we see all around us. I'll close with this story. Um, in World War II, you remember Germany had taken over all of Europe, right? 
and the allies were trying to figure out how do we bounce back from this? What needs to be done? And of course, they came to the conclusion we have to invade France. And so uh, many Americans and British and French troops gathered on those ships on that June morning and went over the, uh, the channel and gave their lives on the beaches of Normandy, shot over and over and over again. And by their blood, by their sacrifice, by their sweat and their tears, they won the beach. And by winning the beach, they had won the war. The problem is we wouldn't know the final victory of that war for several more months, maybe even a year, until VE Day when Germany surrendered. And that's where we find ourselves now. Jesus has come. He has invaded. He's taken the beaches. The victory is won. The kingdom of light has come. And we live in that in-between time where we're trying to advance the battle to bring the kingdom of light against evil, to bring hope against despair, to bring uh, joy against fear. And we're awaiting that day when finally evil will surrender and Jesus will be first of all. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. So Lord Jesus, um, we lift you up today. We lift you high. The church sees in you the most important person in the universe. And so, Lord, may you be our first and greatest and highest as well. Jesus, we believe in you. Let your presence come in and take over that we may find life in you and so that we may bring life and love to this broken and shattered world until you conquer all in the final victory. In the name of the Father and Holy Son and Holy Spirit, we pray.